1: it is time now listen up over in china listen up over in macedonia listen up over in france listen up everywhere around the globe because here he comes dr-history.com good morning how are you morning, Zeb. it's a great day cold yeah. but a great day
0: <laughs> <laughs> it did chill off didn't it? oh yeah snow's Man. blowing across the roads and yeah it's cold out there
1: i'm telling you last night we went out to feed and uh, real quick i went out there and I just threw on a light, get get the impression here, a light winter jacket and a little bandana around my throat and uh, put on my leather gloves, got out behind the barn and was going to put some hay a straw on the back of the four-wheeler to go bed the steers down. Yours truly, there were certain parts of anatomy that were really cold, <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yes. What's going on with Dr. History today? Well, we're going to talk about a I guy. Tip that microphone up just a little bit. There you go. How's yeah. that? There Is you that go. better. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we're going to talk about a
0: fellow by the name of Captain Jack a Modoc Indian I know the story on
1: this man it's okay. an amazing story it really is and uh, John Growney used to have a national finals bucking horse called Captain Jack it was one of the best in the business ok yep. well how he got the
0: name I don't know but we're going to talk about him okay. anyway
1: All right.
0: so basically the Modoc war uh, opened in 1872 with a pistol shot by a cavalry guy who had been sent with a party of soldiers to arrest Captain Jack and return him with his followers to the Klamath Reservoir in southern Oregon Mm -hmm. and it ended in 1873 with Captain Jack's surrender. Now, the causes of the Modoc War were the usual ones, greed for the Indians lands, corrupt and incompetent officials if you can imagine, and the failure of the federal government to establish a firm Indian policy. Right. Now there were these were the same sorry conditions that had previously marked peace efforts with tribe after tribe and which were to lead to the attempt of Chief Joseph and his Nez Perce Indians to flee to Canada and also to the annihilation of Custer's command by the Sioux. Now, in the case of the Modoc their confinement in poverty on a reservation away from their homelands made an outbreak pretty much a certain thing that was going to happen. Now, the treaty with the Modocs had been signed in 1864, with difficulties uh, starting almost immediately as soon as the Modocs were settled on their new reservation. This was partly due to a struggle for leadership between the two chiefs of the Modocs. One was a chief by the name of Old Scotchin and Captain Jack. So they were kind of divided to begin with. But by 1865, this situation had become so intolerable to Captain Jack and his followers that they returned to their former home on the Lost River Country southeast of present-day Klamath Falls, Oregon. Although the treaty had not been ratified and was not actually in force, settlers had already moved in to the Lost Country, Lost River Country. Mm-hmm. Now, alarmed at the return of Captain Jack's band, they promptly petitioned the authorities to force him to go back to the reservation. Right. Now, Now, there was a friendly Indian superintendent by the name of Mecham, and he was uh, kind of on their side, really. But one of his early acts was to send a messenger to Jack requesting a meeting. Well, Captain Jack agreed, and upon arrival at the camp, negotiations were started. These made little progress, and by nightfall of the second day, the situation had become tense. At this point, the soldiers, disregarding orders, charged the camp with wild yells, and the alarmed Indian leaders, thinking they had been betrayed, slipped away in the darkness. Now the next day with their women and children as well as their supplies and weapons in Mecham's hands, they had no resource, but, or recourse but to give themselves up and agreed to return to the reservation. Now, accounts of the time suggest that Captain Jack and his followers really did try to adapt themselves to reservation life on this second attempt, but again, circumstances were against them. So, Captain Jack concluded that life under white man's rule was not for him, Mm -hmm. so Captain Jack again led his people back to the Lost River area. Now, for the next two years, Jack and his band lived in pretty good uh, relative peace with his white neighbors on Lost River. They actually worked together. Right. It was not a bad situation. Right. Well, in 1872, Superintendent O'Donnell uh, replaced Meekum, which was not a good move. Mm-hmm. But he received orders from the Indian Bureau to ca- uh, corral Captain Jack's band of Modocs and return them to the reservation, uh, using force if necessary. So O'Donnell requested Major John Green, who was in command at Fort Klamath, to furnish the necessary forces. Well, Green moved promptly on the next day, November 29th. Now, this is wintertime. Zeb. Without even consulting his superiors, he had 38 troopers with him to arrest Jack and his immediate followers. Right Now, the troopers arrived at Jack's camp, and there was about 15 teepees, or wiki-ups, or huts, if you want to call them, on Lost River, and they arrived at daylight, and they informed the surprised Indians of their purpose. Well, when the parley seemed to be getting nowhere, some of the Indians armed themselves. A moment later, a lieutenant, thinking one of the Indians was about to shoot him, got off the first shot and the Modoc war was on. Absolutely. Well, firing immediately became general, and for the next few minutes there was wild confusion. Despite the fact that all the shooting was at close quarters, actually only one Indian and one trooper were killed. Now, seven soldiers and a number of Indians were wounded, Mm -hmm. but both forces retreated in confusion, and by the time the soldiers had rounded up their stampeded mounts and returned to the village, the Modoc men had fled. Now it took the army 6 weeks to marshal its forces. Now let me give you an idea of how many people they uh, uh, marshaled into force. Okay, two companies of the 21st infantry, three troops of the first cavalry, three companies of citizen volunteers. Wow. By the middle of January, the total force between 3 and 400 soldiers under the command of this guy named Lieutenant Wheaton, mm-hmm. they were set out to wipe out the resistance offered by 50
1: Modoc Indians. I knew there wasn't very many, and if I can interject something here, uh, I have been to the Modoc War Museum and seen all the clothing and the guns and everything used by Captain Jack and the cavalry down there in Northern California, it's absolutely amazing.
0: Yeah, and again, three to 400 soldiers against 50 warriors. But not really too fair. Not really good. No. But the area of the lava beds in which the Modocs were entrenched is right. roughly rectangular. Mm-hmm. It's only about 1,000 feet wide and maybe half a mile long. Right. So they were just in a very small area. Yep. Well, the attack was launched early in the morning of 1873 in January after blundering reconnaissance parties had uh, the day before had thoroughly alerted the Indians. Uh, Not a real good move by the military. Mm -mm. But a dense fog had settled over the area and before the troops were within a mile or two of any Indians they began firing on imaginary Modocs. Well, when they did get within range, many of the volunteers flatly refused to press forward and huddled behind rocks despite taunts from the
1: Indians to come on and fight. So, hmm, sounds like uh, <laughs> even though they had superb numbers and superior numbers, they were chicken. They were chicken. And
0: yeah. the, the Indians were saying, hey, you know, come on. But uh, anyway, since the Modocs could move from point to point within their defenses to concentrate their fire, each of the attacking forces became convinced that they were far outnumbered, even though there was only 50 of them. 50 of them? Yeah. Against 400-plus. Right. So, (laughs) anyway, 24 hours later, what had been intended as a grand assault had turned into a shambles. In their panic, many of the soldiers had lost their rations, thrown away their weapons, some deserted, and others simply pulled back to safety. They were cold, they were hungry, they were badly beaten, and the soldiers had pretty much lost their stomach for fighting. Totally. So orders were given to the army to retire with its clean, with its dead and wounded, and the Modocs didn't lose anybody at this point.
1: They weren't very good shots either. <laughs> they weren't.
0: <laughs> well, in the meantime, another set of events had been set in motion. Meekum, as I mentioned, was uh, somewhat sympathetic, but he w- he was the former Indian superintendent turned politician. He was in Washington, and he proposed that a presidential peace commission be appointed to negotiate for the surrender of the Modocs. Well, the idea that a small party of civilians could successfully handle a situation that appeared to be beyond the capacity of the military was typical of the actions of the administration of the time. So the commission was duly appointed with Meekum at its head, and they headed west. Okay, so Captain Jack had learned that men from Washington were coming to talk to him. Mm -hmm. But he sent word that he would not meet with them except in the presence of two people, a fellow by the name of Judge Roseborough and another guy by the name of Elisha Mm Steele. Now, these were white men that he knew and trusted. He trusted them. Yes. So Meekum recognized that uh, a concession would enhance Jack's prestige, but nevertheless, he recommended that these two men be added to the commission. Well, the next six weeks were a nightmare for the commission. Repeated messengers uh, sent to Captain Jack's camp to arrange for the meeting were turned down. They were welcomed, then they were turned down, then they were uh, just back and forth. But it was impossible to determine the Indians' intentions. So at one point, Jack himself sent word that he was willing to lay down his arms. He, He even set a meeting place to make the final arrangements. But when the wagons with food and blankets for the starving Indians arrived, at the rendezvous the Indians did not arrive Mm -mm. and why we really don't know yeah Okay, so now we have a new guy, General Canby. He's in charge now of the military. And by the middle of March, it was obvious that the Indians were deliberately stalling and Canby decided to put on some pressure. His first move was to shift his forces closer to the lava beds so they would be in position for action if the Indians decided to scatter. So here we are still, the Indians among the lava fields. Yeah. In that small...
1: It's a real lonely, desolate area. Yeah,
0: Yeah. I'm sure it had to be. But anyway, so uh, another guy by the name of Colonel Gillam was ordered to move to a point about three and a half miles west of Jack's stronghold. Mm-hmm. Now, since these moves were within sight of the Modoc defense, the Indians were well aware of what was taking place. I mean, it was obvious. They could see what the military was doing. Yeah, I mean, they're watching them. Right. Yeah. They're, they're watching everything that's going on. So becoming alarmed, Captain Jack first sent messengers to General Canby to find out his intentions and finally met with him in person. Now, after a number of such meetings, it became clear that what each side wanted, uh, but uh, how this was to be accomplished, remained as undecided as ever. Now, Jack's first demand was that all soldiers be withdrawn from the lava beds and that certain of his men be protected from charges of murdering a number of settlers. He also wanted a reservation for his people established on Lost River, where he had been before. That Mm -hmm. was their original land.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, General Canby uh, could promise none of these things. He said the only one who could accept their surrender and that the authorities uh, uh, would be the President of the United States. And so he really couldn't do anything he said. Now, the Why su- do they always pass the buck? Well, you know... I- I don't know. That's a good question, because they can't make any promises, then why in the heck are they meeting yeah, with the it's guy? it's like
1: buying a used car. If the salesman can't come up with the price and finalize it, he's got to keep running to the guy that's above him. It yeah. doesn't make any sense. It doesn't. It doesn't. Well, right. the situation was further complicated by dissension between Captain Jack
0: and his chief medicine man, now get his name, Curly Headed Doctor. Well... Probably was. (laughs) (laughs) So how he got that name, I don't know. So anyway, Jack uh, was intelligent enough to know that he couldn't stand off the Army indefinitely, and he gave many indications that he was willing to surrender if assured of fair treatment. Now, Curly had a doctor and some of his immediate followers. On the other hand, they were convinced that their medicine was stronger than that of the whites. So they figured they could still outlast the military. Yeah, and they were against Obamacare, too. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. So... As kept, what kept happening, it was another meeting was uh, established, and yeah. this general Canby, along with some others, along with meekum they rode to the meeting place expecting to meet Jack and four of his leaders. Well, when they arrived, they found there were eight Indians, and contrary to an earlier agreement, a number of them were openly carrying weapons. Well, I would. Well, sure. Would, I mean, it's uh, common sense in my yeah. opinion. So, Anyway, General Canby ignored the fact that some of the Indians were armed and the parley got underway with the usual handshaking. Jack reiterated his demand that the soldiers leave the country, that they be allowed to live where they wanted to, while Canby pointed out again that only the president could order the troops removed or decide where the Indians should live. Mm -hmm. Well, after considerable talking on both sides, Jack suddenly gave a signal And two Indians with their arms full of rifles appeared from the nearby rocks where they'd been hidden. Before the commissioners could move, Captain Jack pulled a revolver, shot Canby. Another Indian shot another fellow. This Meekum guy got shot, uh, but just kind of a glancing blow that knocked him unconscious. This was turning into a bad meeting. It it was. Not a good meeting. Well, four days later, the Army was ready for a second attack on the stronghold. Now, forces now consisted of four batteries of artillery five inter infantry companies four troops of cavalry seventy two indian scouts uh, and I don't know how many that totals. Holy smokes, and a no partridge idea. in a pear tree. Uh, just a bunch of people. But yeah. the first day, the approach was so cautious that most of the troops didn't even get within rifle range. Oh, my goodness. The second day was a little better. Colonel Gillum thought he had the Modocs completely surrounded. Uh-huh. But a gap in the lines uh, was there. And during the night, the Modocs just simply walked out of the trap. They left. They just walked out. Hmm. And they disappeared into the cinder cones and the Caves Who and, was the sentry on duty? <laughs> Obviously, nobody. <laughs> or he was asleep, I don't know, or afraid. So, four days later, the Modocs had been located, and there was a Captain Thomas, and he took 64 men on a patrol. Well, the detachment uh, was on its way, but they got hungry. They sat down for lunch, completely unaware that 24 Modocs were concealed in the rocks. Well, the Indians opened fire. 23 of the soldiers, including this Captain Thomas, were killed. Mm. Now, as usual, the Modocs hadn't lost a man. So, so, now a little later, here we have a Captain Hasbrook. And he was just a recent arrival, and he was given his assignment um, to find the Modocs, and he did find the Modoc camp. Well, here we are, finally, it's May of that year. May 9th they camped on a small lake unaware that the Modocs had them under close surveillance at dawn the next morning the Modocs charged the camp expecting their attack would create the same panic and losses that had resulted from the previous battle right well they almost succeeded several soldiers were killed but this time however this uh, captain Hasbrook and his officers managed to rally their men and a prompt counterattack routed the Modocs and captured most of their pack animals, their supplies, their spare ammunition. So this was a a serious blow to the confident Modocs. Another thing that was a bad blow was one of their sub-leaders had been fatally wounded and died. Mm -hmm. And with the Indians, you know, when they lost one of their... Uh, a chief or a sub-chief, that uh, really affected their morale.
1: Yeah, in many cases, they stopped fighting.
0: Exactly, and retreated. So within a few days, 10 of the women and children were captured, and from here on, it was only a matter of time. Uh, Captain Jack still had 37 fighting men out of the 50, that he'd started with. Yeah. But although the army did not know it, these two had broken into small groups and scattered. And with the help of the captured Modocs, a number of these bands were located and prevailed upon to surrender. Finally, on June 1st, five months of fighting, uh, Captain Jack himself, convinced that further fighting was useless, he gave himself up, and the Modoc War was over.
1: And you know really from what I've ascertained by going to the museum and and really studying this and going to the actual battlefields down there uh, this all could have been avoided. You know, When you think about it, yeah, it all could have been avoided. Time and time again, you
0: had overzealous military leaders that, uh, well. And broken promises. And broken
1: promises. Custer, a great example. Oh, Custer's you know? a great example of a total fiasco. Yeah, I mean, they just, And yet, the early movies of Custer, I didn't mean to break in on you. The early movies of Custer, like the one that Errol Flynn starred in called, uh, let me think, They Died With Their Boots On. That was a depiction where Custer was a hero. He yeah. could do no wrong. And it's not historically true. Well, you and I have talked
0: about this a lot yeah. in the past. And there are so many versions of what really happened. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. But again, here the, the, the Indians had a, a beautiful place to live. Yep. And, of course, that was desirable for the whites. And they wanted to be left alone. They did. And, yeah. and as I mentioned, they lived in peace with the white people for two years. Absolutely. And they actually trade back and forth. Yep. They uh, yep. tried to farm. They tried to raise cattle. And I think if they would have left them alone, they would have been fine. Yeah,
1: and everybody would have been the better off for it. Right. They could have worked together. Uh, the Indians could help the whites. The whites helped the Indians. We only got a limited time, but I'll say this. I think in many stories of the Old West, with the military and the uh, powers that be, whether they be colonels, generals like Custer, whatever, a lot of times these conflagrations were caused to help further their nest and, and feather their hat and move them up the military ladder. Do you think That's so? That's exactly right.
0: Exactly right. They uh, Many of these uh, underlings, so to speak, I don't know the ranks but yeah if they could uh, win a war or capture a particular tribe yeah they would be advanced in the military yep So time and time again. It's a shame. It really is a shame. It really is. uh, Injustice that was done
1: to uh, tribe after tribe. That's a good story. But now I urge you and and all the listeners, if you get a chance to go down to Alturas, California and uh, head up towards Cedarville and in that area, uh, actual battlefields of where many of these battles took place with the Modoc Indian Wars and go through that museum. It's probably one of the best museums you've ever been to. In your life. I have to
0: put that on my list. I've never, I've been over in that area, but gotta I've never go gone to, that. to the. Got to go to
1: that. It's to the, excellent, excellent. Okay. And that's a good story about Captain Jack. It is. But now your homework assignment for next week is to find out why they called him Captain Jack. I'll do my best. There you go. (laughs) And you know what? I will go through my thousands and thousands of books here that you can see on the bookshelves and everything. And I have one of those books from the museum about the Modoc Indian Wars, and I'll see if I can't dig that out for you. Okay, that'd be great. What are we going to talk about next week besides your assignment?
0: You know, it's such a such a secret that I just can't divulge it at this time. You
1: haven't got a clue. (laughs) You're exactly right. (laughs) Hey, quickly, what about 2014? Good year, bad year? It's been a great year. Except for your wife getting
0: injured. Yeah, broken arm, but she's getting better, and uh, you know, actually Thursday uh, uh, is my birthday, and This next Thursday or this Thursday? This Thursday. January 1st? Yeah, in fact, uh, in honor of my birthday they have parades, they have football games, they take the day off in honor of my birthday! Oh my! It's a gosh. national holiday, you know. You really,
1: you really believed everything your mom and dad told you, <laughs> didn't you? <laughs> but I was slow. I didn't win any prizes. Oh well, happy birthday! <laughs> Thank and you. And happy New Year! Thank you. And, Same uh, to you, Zeb Is that where they got the caricature of the New Year's baby wearing diapers? <laughs> <laughs>
0: I will. I refuse to answer that. Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, thanks for an excellent show, and let's do a little bit more research on that Captain Jack. Yeah, I'd like to know more about okay. him, too. Okay. Uh, as you know quickly, dr-history.com, that's what people check into all over the world, right? That's exactly the place to go to listen to all these stories. About 45 stories on there now, I think. Oh, wow. So Okay, well, listen, we'll see you next Thursday. All right, thank you. You have a good day, Zach. All right, God bless you, man. Thanks.
0: This is the story of the one.